0: We're going to read some actual encounters that people had with God himself. I'm not going to read all of them because that would mean we'd basically be reading the whole Bible. But I'm just going to read some. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple and above him stood the seraphim each had six wings with two he covered his face and with two he covered his feet and with two he flew and one called to another one called to another and said holy 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 is the Lord of hosts; the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook, and the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. In First Kings chapter twenty-two and verse nineteen, Micaiah said, "Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing." Beside him on his right hand and on his left. Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 26. Ezekiel said. And above the expanse over their heads. There was the likeness of a throne. In appearance like sapphire. And seated above the likeness of the throne. Was a likeness of, with a human appearance. If God is to be portrayed. Let me just explain that. If God's to be portrayed in concrete form. The highest symbol man can use to, to explain him. Is to have human, human form that's who Jesus was God in the flesh Ezekiel again in chapter 10 and verse 1 says then I looked and behold on the expanse was over the heads of the cherubim and there appeared above them something like a sapphire in appearance like a throne Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9 Daniel said as I looked thrones were placed and the ancient of days took his seat his clothing was white as snow and the hair on his head was pure wool And his throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. In John, in the book of Revelation, chapter 4 and verse 1, and I'm going to read quite a bit here. John says, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven and one seated on the throne and he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the spirits, seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was as it were a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox. The third living creature was the face of a man, and the fourth living creature was like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings and full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never ceased to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures gave glory glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and they cast their crowns before the throne saying worthy are you O Lord ungod, God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created in the book of revelation alone god's throne is mentioned 35 times Other places mention the throne of God and they mention this place this way. Psalm 9, 4 says, you have maintained my course, my just course. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. So the throne of God is seen as a place of righteous judgment. Verse 7 of Psalm 9 says, the Lord sits in throne forever. He has established his throne throne for justice. Psalm 11.4 says the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see and the eyelids test the children of man. Psalm 89.14, the Bible says righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Lamentations 5.19 but you, O oh Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. God's throne is still the same throne it's been since these being people saw it. God is still on His throne. God is still on His throne. If you or I were to be in the presence of God and to see the throne, we would see the things the same way that these men saw them. Now last week we spoke of the thrones that God's placed in our lives. We talked about the throne of nations and how there's There's rulers that God puts over us that we are to be submissive to as we would be submissive to God. We talked about the thrones of the home. And I really didn't get into great detail with that because uh, not not time yet, but we're going to get into that. But there's thrones in the home where God puts uh, authority in the home that we're supposed to be submissive to as unto Christ. Amen. There's thrones in the workplace where God gives us bosses, and we fight them all the time, but God gives us bosses. Or God gives us people who uh, buy our product if we're self-employed, and they are in authority over us. And there's the throne of the church, which was always, it's always a fun thing to talk about pastoral authority in the church. Because people get so excited about it. And I believe this, I believe how you see God's throne is how you see the thrones in your life. If you see the throne of God and you realize that God's the one that put these thrones in our lives, we are submissive to those thrones because we're submissive to God himself because we see God high and lifted up. And it's not that we submit to them because of position, but because of the position of God. Because God is God, we submit to the things that God puts in place in our lives. Amen. So what did Isaiah see that will give us more insight into the throne of God? He saw a throne that was high and lifted up. The being who sat on it was exalted. He was of the highest ranking. There was no one higher than him. There's no God greater than him. There's no one above him. He's the top. God Almighty is at the top. Let's just get that image in our mind. God is at the top of everything. No matter what you think about how much power you have in your life. He's the highest rank. This being who sat on on this throne was majestic. He had the highest beauty. He was pleasing to the eyes. When you see God, when you look at God, when you think about God, you should be thinking about the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life. The most beautiful being ever created. Well, not created. Sorry, I said that wrong. That's ever been. This being who sat on was superior. He had the highest qualities. He had the greatest love. Like when you think you can love somebody, you can't love somebody as good as God because God loves better than you can. His quality of love is just better. His joy is much better. I really believe that God laughs a lot at me. And it's just a better joy. I may not laugh. I may not think it's funny. But he's just laughing. I think his peace is of a higher character than our peace. He's not worried about tomorrow. He's not stressing over what's going to happen this afternoon. He's at total peace with what's happening in the world. We might be stressed out and all freaked out, but he's like, no, man, I got got real peace. A peace that passes all understanding. That's the peace that he's supposed to give us, but we don't often live in that peace because he's high and lifted up. In that throne room was a train uh, of a robe that filled the space. Now, trains that followed a robe were very heavy and it represented the fullness of presence. It kind of filled the room. It's kind of like, we don't see it a lot today. I've only done one wedding in 25 years that actually a, a bride had a, a train, a real train. Not just one that dropped down to the bottom, but I'm talking about a real train. One that when she was walking around the corner of the pews, it caught on the corner and about ripped her head off. It was awesome. It was, but it was a beautiful train. And you knew, you knew when that bride came in the room with that train and it began to, she began to fill that space up, that day was about her. So that's what happens when you have a robe that that fills, the train of a robe that fills the space. It says, everything that's going on right now is about me. It's a portrait of honor, of the highest respect. That's why you don't wear white to a wedding unless you're the bride. And if you do, shame on you. That's why... Mother-in-laws hate me when I do weddings because I, don't, I make sure they know it's not about your day. It's not your day. It's the bride's day. What does the bride want, not what you want? Amen. That's why I don't do weddings anymore. <laughs> mothers and mother-in-laws don't like me. And we've had that conversation how many times? Usually in rehearsal, the, one of the mothers leave. It's a picture of dignity. To have a train, you have to hold your head up. God's not sitting on a throne with his head down, with with him not looking up. He's dignified. That robe pictures dignity. God likes himself. God believes in himself. God is good to himself. And this robe says, serve me. The robe says, serve me, because that's what you have to do. You have to kind of follow that robe around the room to make sure it doesn't get hung up on a chair. And I, I love how when the bride gets in place and she, she stands next to her groom, how the bridesmaids take her train and they lay it out. I just think that is one of the most um, beautiful pictures of submission and service because they don't want her to trip. You know, you don't want a bride to trip and fall, especially on these chairs, stairs. Stairs. You see, to see God, he's so much higher and greater and better than anything and anyone else we have ever seen or ever will see. He is high and lifted up, and he fills the space. And in the presence of his greatness, we are humbled. See, if you see God, it should be the most humbling experience you've ever had in your life. Because he's nothing like you or me. There's no human that you have ever met that has been even close to who God is. And it's humbling to be in his presence. He is better than us. I'm going to say that again. God is better than us. In all ways. In every way. God is better. And if you have problems being in the presence of someone who's better than you, you you will hate heaven. Because it's all going to be about him, not about you. Because he is better. Isaiah saw that this being was so great that those in his presence could not help. They could not help but worship him. And they worshipped him. He they, they uses an example of the seraphim. Now, just for a little education purposes, so all you Bible scholars can get be a little smarter. Seraphim is plural to seraph. Seraph is singular. Seraphim is plural. So he's talking about multiple seraphim or seraphs. And And the name means burning ones. And it's actually described as like a fiery serpent. So these beings are... Surrounding the throne of God. And there's more than one. Some see them as angels. And consider them to be the highest ranking celestial beings. Meaning that these beings. Are probably archangels. And each of the seven archangels. Each of the seven archangels. Are accompanied from what I've read. By 496,000. Ministering angels. So for every archangel. There's 496,000 archangels or uh, ministering angels now Michael and Satan are mentioned to be possible seraphim yet they worship God these seraphim had six wings with two they covered their face meaning they could not look on God's face because all who are in his presence are humbled by him see when I look at Pat in the eyes and when I'm looking face to face it's because we're equal I'm not equal to God I I can't look at him in the face not and live, that's scripture says in uh, Exodus thirty three twenty. you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live I can't compare to him, I can look the Pat we have equality, we're both humans he's a sinner, I'm a sinner he got saved by Jesus, I got saved by Jesus amen but you can't do that with God You can't look him in the eyes and try to stare him down and try to find some kind of equality with him because there is no equality with him. So they covered their face. With two, they covered their feet. And everything that I've studied about this, there's nothing deficient that can be seen because feet are dirty and ugly. (laughs) So it's a picture of covering our errors, covering our frailties as created beings. And in his presence, we don't want him to see all of our faults and failures and weakness. That's why we need Jesus Christ to die for our sins. And with two, they would fly, which is a picture of willingness to and ability to always serve God. So they're constantly, they never get burnt out. I really wanted to play with this one for a bit because I hear Christians saying all the time, I got burnt out. Well, you didn't see God. Because if you see God, you just keep flying and flying and flying. You constantly are serving God. Four wings for adoration, two wings for active energy. Four wings to conceal sin, two for constant occupying service. And their worship went like this. One called to another, and I, I pointed that out earlier, one called to another, meaning they were not saying this to God, they were saying this to each other. When they cried this out, they were singing to each other. They were saying, this is is how we see God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory, which is a picture of his presence. There is nothing that has been created that doesn't have the presence of God connected to it. And I believe what you say says a lot about who you've seen. What you say about God and what you say to each other about God. In fact, all of your conversations with each other says a lot about what you've seen in relation to God. If all you see is Pat's errors and you don't see your own, you haven't stood before God because God's going to expose your own errors that you've got to cover. This was a crying out to God. They were calling out to one another. I said that already. When was the last time you sat around with a bunch of Christians and just talked about how holy God is? How awesome God is. How amazing God is. Not how bad their husbands are, or their wives, or their church, or their pastor, or their boss, or their president. When was the last time you sat around and Christians just talked about the glorious nature of God that we've seen? Because if I've seen God, I don't care about seeing anything, talking about anything else. tell each other about his glorious character. He's the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the heavens armies. And this holy, holy, holy is repeated for every person uh, of God. God is holy, the Lord of heaven's army. Jesus is holy, the Lord of heaven's army. The Holy Spirit is holy, the Lord of heaven's army. Anything connected with the Trinity is holy unto God. In Hebrew, intensity is communicated by repetition. Holy, 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 holy. We want you to know how holy God is. And if you've seen God, that's your voice. It's not just God's a holy God. God is holy, holy. No, no, no. He's holy, holy, holy. And this is where I wrestled. I wrestled with how to explain holiness because it's two things. It's apartness and it's sinlessness. And on first Thursday, which was awesome, by the way, yes. we had first, our first Thursday um, church service, it took me seven months to get to what we wanted to do with that service, but it, it happened. It was an awesome night. Amen? See, God has set apart He set apart from all created things. Remove Earth, and God still is exists. Remove eternity. You remove the 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 stars, and God still exists. Remove the planets, God still exists. He is different than you and me. Way different than you and me. He is divine, not human. And in that divineness, as is, is I was tr- trying to get, and I got sidetracked. Verlin talked about the the person of God on Sunday. We were talking about the doctrine of God on first Thursday. And he did a fabulous job with that. Very moving service. So I couldn't use his words because some of you already heard him. So I wanted to take a little different tact. Do you know that nothing is hidden from him? There are things that you don't know about tomorrow that God knows about Tomorrow. There's things that are going to happen in the next 10 or 15 years or 20 years. You have no idea what they're going to be. But God knows exactly what's going to happen. God is so different than me and you, me and you that we cannot even guess what's going to happen in 20 minutes. But God knows exactly what's going to happen. First John 1 John 1.5 says, this is a message we've heard from him and claim to you that God is light. I Meaning he sees everything. In him is no darkness at all. Hebrews 4.13 says, But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Nothing is hidden. Your sins, there is not a sin that you commit that is not hidden from him, that he does not see. There's not an ounce of pride that wells up in you that he does not see. Nothing's hidden from him. I can look at Pat and say, I don't think Pat looked prideful this morning. Pat looks very humble. But I don't know what's going on in Pat's heart. Now Pat might be prideful because I just pointed him out. <laughs> but God sees that. You don't. Nothing can contain God. I'm contained by time, space, and how far I can stretch the skin out of my body when I eat too much. I mean, sometimes I've eaten and just wondered am I going to explode? Am I the only one that's ever done that? <laughs> First Kings 8:27 the Bible says, "But God indeed will indeed dwell on the earth." Or will God indeed dwell on indeed dwell on the earth? "Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, how much less this house that I have built." We talk about God being in our presence, being in this room, being in this space. This space cannot contain God. This is not the only space he is dwelling in. If you're, Jesus Christ is your Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells you, but it, that can't contain him. He's bigger than that. He's uncontainable. Again, I'm contained by time, ability. There's some things I can't do. There's nothing God can't Sometimes I can get down on my knees and pray. Sometimes I can't get up when I get down. For some reason, get down and get funky just got all over my... (laughs) Nothing can stop God. There's lots of things that can stop me. But nothing can stop God. Isaiah 14, 27 says, The Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? Are you going to stop God's hand? You can't stop him. You can stop yourself, you can be stopped, but nothing can stop God. Job 42, 2 says, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of years of yours, can be thwarted. Nothing can stop God. See, if you've seen God, you realize nothing can stop him from doing what he said he would do, from doing at times what we've asked him to do in prayer. Things that could stop us can't stop him. I love how he taught the disciples that if If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, go into the sea and it'll be cast there. And We can't even imagine that, but see, that's because we haven't seen God. If you've seen him, you realize there's nothing that can stop him. Nothing can change him. I'm not talking about times where he changes his mind because we repent of sin. I'm saying God is always God no matter what generation we live in God is not a different God today than he was 50 years ago 500 years and it's funny because we all think that God's that we need to do church differently now because it's a different time no God's still same. we're going to do what God said to do to those for 50 years ago and 500 years ago and 5,000 years ago we're going to just keep doing what God said to do nothing can change him Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 17 so when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie we who have fled for refuge might have a strong encouragement and hold fast to the hope that is set before us there's two things that are a promise, promise of God and his literal word he can't lie you can't change it the Bible teaches us that Jesus is going to come back one day. We don't know the day or the hour. So, so stop trying to set the day or the hour. Yeah. Because every time you set it, we, he resets it. He says, fine, I'm not going to let Verlin be right. I'm going to change it. Nothing can change him. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. You can't change him. He says he's going to come back again. He's going to come back again. He said that if I die because of Jesus Christ, my sins are forgiven and I'll be with him in heaven. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. I get a mansion with a Harley. I don't know what kind of puny God you got, but my God's big enough to get that happening. Nothing can soil him. Nothing can soil him. James 1.13 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he, he himself tempts no one. He doesn't need evil. You can't, soil, you can't make him sin. He's sinless. See, when people in the Bible saw the Lord in his awesome holiness... They trembled with fear. And I don't see that in a lot of modern day Christianity. Isaiah 6.5 Isaiah said, Woe is me when he saw the Lord. Woe is me for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Paul said this in Revelation 1.17 When I saw him, I fell at his feet though dead but he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I am the first and the last. See, humility is a sign that you've seen God and I don't see a lot of humility anymore. I see a lot of pride in Christianity. Because if you've seen God, you recognize that he's high and lifted up and his presence fills the room and he commands the room when he does so. See, seeing God is a moment that makes you realize just how unholy you are in his presence. In Genesis, where Adam and Eve were walking with God in the garden of the cool of the day, they were naked and not ashamed, but then when they sinned, they hid themselves in the presence of the Lord, turning fear, shame, and blame. See, if you're still blaming people for whatever's gone on in your life, you haven't seen God because you're not humbling. realize that you're no better than that person who sinned against you. And if God can forgive them, why can't you? Amen. And it leads to pride and arrogance and an unsubmissive nature. As we learned last week, we're to submit to the authorities of the nations that God has put in place. And if you've seen God, you have no problem submitting to the authorities that God puts in place because it's God that put him in place, not you. You have no problem submitting to the authorities in your home because you know that Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So you, as a husband, you lead your family, but you're submissive to God because you've seen him and you want to submit to him. See, when I find a man who's not leading his family well, it's because he hasn't seen God. Because if you saw God, you'd humble yourself in the sight of your family and realize the responsibility that you have before you that God gave to you. One of my favorites, wives submit to your husbands as as unto Christ. When I find a woman who's unsubmissive to her husband, what I find is a woman who's never seen God. You might claim Christianity, but that doesn't mean you've seen God. Because if you've seen God, you'd realize God put this in place. And my job is to be submissive to Jesus. Children who are unsubmissive to their parents have never seen God it makes sense to me that teenagers are the way they are because they haven't seen God. I was listening to a sermon yesterday and the preacher was talking about how how dads no longer lead the families. We don't humble ourselves and take the responsibility on and we wonder why our children are turning out the way they are and we say it's because of the world. No, it's because the home is not being led by the parents. We're letting our kids decide who God is, instead of letting you share, share as a husband or a father and a mother, who God really is, through your submission to the authorities that God's put in place, because you've seen God. Employees at work for the who work for their bosses. The Scripture teaches that we're working for the Lord Himself. So if, when you're working for an employer. And you're an employee, you're serving God. If you've seen God, you can be submissive to your boss, no matter how bad he is, because you know that God died for him, God's son died for his sins. And we can go right right into, obey them to have the rule over you, for they watch for your souls, and must give an account to them, you do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable unto you. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, and that's talking about pastoral authority in your life. See, when I run into somebody who struggles with pastoral authority, I run into somebody who hasn't seen God. Because if you've seen God, you realize God puts the pastor in place. And God can take me out just as fast as he can put me in. See, if you've seen God high and lifted up, you recognize that he is exalted in your life. And if your life is filled with his presence, you're obedient to that. And you'll worship him in his holiness, surrendering your life to him, serving him and all other authorities that are in your life. But if you ignore seeing God, if you ignore who God really is, you will in pride lift yourself up and not surrender your life to him. You'll struggle with submission to authority in your life. But if you've seen God, you'll humble yourself. Get on your face and worship him. Serve him constantly. We as Christians have confidence that we can approach God's holy throne through faith in Jesus Christ, right? That should be a humbling thought. So how do we see God? Second Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God who said, Let the light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God or the presence of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We see God in the face of Jesus Christ. So when we see Jesus, we should be humbled. We should be humbled. Let me read one more verse. That's not in the notes. And hopefully I can see it with my no glasses. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. John 14, 6. In verse 7, Thomas says, I'm sorry, and Jesus said, no, somebody said something. (laughs) Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father except through me. And Jesus then said, if you had known me, you would have known my Father. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. See I wonder how many of us have been living our lives not recognizing God is on the throne because we look at Jesus as an equal not as a holy God. See when you put your faith in Christ God crowns the God crowned in awesome holiness promises to crown you with his steadfast love and mercy and we can know who God is because we know who Jesus is. Jesus lets us see the holiness of God. We try to make him equal. Jesus has a name above every other name. Jesus is the only way for us to get to the Father. Father. And Jesus says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The question is, are we humble in the presence of Jesus? Are we submissive in the presence of Jesus? Let's stand real quick. I'm going to read Psalm 103, which is a long psalm. It's not on the wall. I'm just going to ask you to do me a favor. And close your eyes for a moment and just imagine you're in the throne room of God and you've seen Him. You've seen God high and lifted up. You've seen the train fill the temple. You've seen the seraphs. The seraphim. Psalms 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Can you say that this morning? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. And crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good so that in your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He has made known his ways to Moses, and his acts to the people of Israel. In seeing the Lord, he is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgression from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone. And the place knows it no more. His ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord all His works and all the places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. That's how somebody sees God who's seen God. Do you see Him? Gracious Heavenly Father, This was not one of those sermons that had wonderful little stories in it or it wasn't designed to captivate their hearts and minds through the fantastic words that a man could speak. If anything happens today, it happens because you turn water into wine. If anything happens in the hearts of the people of this place, it's because you reveal your presence to them, not because of anything that I say, but because of what your word promises if there is any humility that's going to come out of this room, if there's any repentance, if there's any seeking forgiveness for sins, it's not going to come because of any magical words that I say or pray. It's going to come from the Almighty. It's going to come from you, God. I listen to sermons all the time. What America's looking for is how you can do something for us. And I just wondered today if there's anyone in the room that's thinking about what can I do for God? If I see Him high and lifted up, if I see Him as He really is, I should fall on my face and humble myself and surrender my service to Him. I should stop complaining about the authorities that you've put in my life and start serving them as I would the one true God Father we need your help we've been singing this a lot lately Father but we need your spirit we need your power we need your presence Lord we need your spirit we need your power we need your presence Lord I don't know where to go Father I just I only planned it to this point I can't bring them up to heaven I can't get them to see you in the throne room unless they want to open their eyes up spiritual eyes up to see what's been blinding them for years. But I do know that if they see you, it'll put us on our face. Father, if there's one in the room that does not know Christ as their Savior, that maybe today's the day they will see God and see the salvation that you've wrought for them. That you are a God who forgives the sins of man through the shed blood of your son, Jesus Christ. And that they would seek to see you today. That Maybe that's their prayer, that they would see you high and lifted up. It's your turn to move, Father. Jesus we pray heads bowed and eyes closed I really honestly don't know what God's saying to you today I know he wants you to see him altar's open if you're seeking God come ask him to reveal himself to you show show you his glory Just say, Father, show me your glory today. Give me a glimpse of the beauty of the God who sits on the throne. Maybe you're like Isaiah. And you're saying, Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Come up and ask Him for forgiveness come up and say forgive me of my sins I see you as a holy God you see things I can't see you do things I can't do you know things I can't know and you see me I want you to understand that today that God sees each and every one of us in this room as we are And he wants you to see him as he is. But you've got to open your hearts up to that. It will humble you to stand in the presence of a holy God. Or maybe your prayer just is holy, holy, holy as the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of your glory or your presence no matter where I go I see you God and it's humbling to know that you've created this beautiful place for us to live Gracious Heavenly Father, we're going to sing a song to you. But I kind of want us to sing it to each other as the angels cried out to each other about who our God is. open our hearts up to you today, Lord God. In Jesus we pray. Let's sing. Father turn water into wine take our bland plain nothing lives and with your spirit turn them into something spectacular something that changes the world because of your presence not ours encourage our hearts today Lord God as we get ready to go to continually seek you this afternoon In Jesus we pray and all God's people said Amen. Amen, you are not dismissed yet one last thing, next week we're dealing with the third throne and that's the throne of humanity and that's going to explain what, why people go and go from believers to non-believers and why they go from struggling with their identity and the gender and stuff like that so we're really going to be dealing with that that's going to be um, a powerful moment so i just ask you to pray for me this week amen that i get the words right and that i encourage your hearts with the word of god so let's pray one last time father we love you just encourage these people they are a beautiful people Reveal yourself to them this week, Lord God, in ways that they've never seen before. Let let your light shine brightly on them. We love you. Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said. Guys, thanks for coming today. God bless. Have a great day. Don't forget your kids, please. And if you don't have kids, you can leave.